From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today in studio, we'll talk with firefly expert Lynn Faust. She's released a new book, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. So she'll tell us about these mysterious and beautiful bugs. We'll talk about what makes these creatures perform their wonderful glow shows. Are they talking through the lights? And what fireflies should you be looking for in your backyard tonight? As always, you can join our conversation with your call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send us an email animals at mpbonline.org This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're going to be visiting today with author Lynn Faust. She's just released her new book, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. So she'll tell us about these mysterious and beautiful creatures. We'll talk about what makes them perform their wonderful glow shows. Are they talking through those lights? And what fireflies should you be looking for in your backyard tonight? You can join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Reach us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. And I always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it does repeat Saturday mornings at six. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we'll talk about uh, fireflies in just a minute, but uh, uh, Java found an item in the news that says a student at Texas Southern University snuck his pet python into his graduation ceremony wearing uh, he had it under his graduation <laughs> gown uh any thoughts on uh, on that uh graduations are usually pretty hot i imagine that uh snake was getting warm <laughs> under the gown. Uh, i guess people do anything so uh, that maybe have been the least uh offensive or fairly benign as far as something to do <laughs> it's something you know the thing that that bothers me about it is i know in the museum we learned really quick even a very non-threatening non-poisonous non-venomous snake you have to be really careful how people come upon it sure because they scream and run and can hurt themselves or hurt somebody else so I would be worried if it, that snake came out and scared somebody in graduation that you might right. kind of start a panic. So we don't know the whole story <laughs> there, so we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. And, the uh, thing is, you know, sometimes the uh, whoever's handing out the diploma, students like to give her. Oh, and so I'm wondering if um, that would have been something. If you get the <laughs> diploma, you get the snake. That would have been an interesting question. <laughs> Let the little snake hit <laughs> out of his gown. And Ooh. we don't know how exactly how big the snake was either. Yeah, it could have been, could have been a foot and a half ball python or it could have been a six foot <laughs> south american boy yeah yeah just glad that nobody got too scared right certainly an interesting way to, to spice up a graduation something i'm sure that everyone will remember we've got a, a caller on the line so why don't we get a quick call in this morning uh we say good morning to babs in brooklyn you're on the air go ahead please good morning and thank you for taking my call sure i have got a two-year-old doctor and he has the worst breath I tried the essential oils, and then I've also tried the spray in the little green bottle, and I can't seem to uh, take care of that problem. Okay. How, how do his teeth look? Does he have much tartar? Oh, no, no. Okay. In fact, once in a while I brush him for him. Well, he's a, he's a young dog. There's many things that could be causing a bad breath, and a lot of times dogs are not as bashful as we are about pass, <laughs> passing gas up from their stomach. You know, I don't know if he burps, but they still get a fairly fair amount of uh, smell from there. Yes. And then on a more disgusting note, uh, some dogs will lick their uh, anal glands, the rear end. Yeah. And that certainly is a bad smell. Or... I'm not saying your dog does this, but some dogs will actually eat uh, feces or poop. 
So, I hope not. I hope not, especially if he's kissing you. But uh, let's let's think about what it might be and uh, talk to your vet about it. I, you've tried a lot of different things. It sounds like, and I wish I had a a um, sure cure for you. But uh, and it may be it's just something you have to put up with. Okay. All right. Is there no no certain type of food that would help it? I would suggest, you know, a, a good quality dry food. Uh, but to tell you that there's other, you know, anything else that food could do, I'm not sure. Okay. Let right. us know. Let us know. Let us know if you come up with a cure. Okay. <laughs> sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, Babs, uh, thanks for that call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with author Lynn Faust and her book, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs, an Identification and Astral History of Fireflies of the Eastern and Central U.S. and Canada. Wow, Lynn, that, that's quite a mouthful. Tell us uh, about the book. How long did it take you to write the book? Well, from start to finish, about six years. And it began when I blew out both knees in 2011. And uh, suddenly I was in bed and had no choice. I knew a book was needed about lightning bugs, and the one didn't exist. And I didn't want to give up a year of my life writing it. You know, I was kind of selfish with my time. Little did I know it would take six years of research hmm. and writing from start to finish. So, But it was 25 years in the making uh, representing my field research. Uh, and so it has uh, more than 600 photographs, including uh, one of you dressed up as a firefly when you were 12. So obviously, this sounds like this has been sort of a lifelong interest of yours. Well, that's about the nicest compliment I've gotten. I was actually 39 when oh. that picture was taken. <laughs> so it was right at the beginning of the fireflies. But I have always liked creepy crawly things. And so um, let's uh, talk a little bit. About what, uh, what exactly is a firefly? Well, a firefly that we recognize the most is the same thing as a lightning bug, by the way. Um, and they flash, and you see them at night, and most everybody loves them. So it's one of the few insects that people really like. And so I feel like I'm cheating when I work with them because it makes everybody smile and remember their childhood. Mm -hmm. But it's generally the flashing Insects we see flying around at night, although in reality, about a quarter of them have no flashing at all or active in the daytime. But you'll get into that later if you really get into fireflies. And um, is it, is it a, a type of fly? No, it is a beetle. Um, they're in the beetle family, so the name is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, lightning bug is also not really accurate because they're not a true bug, but they are in the beetle family. They have the hard wings that cover their real wings. That makes them beetles. And um, do a, I'm going to show my ignorance here. Do a lot of beetles fly? M many beetles fly. Um, even in the lightning bug world, though, some of the females have lost their wings, and they do not fly. They look like little grubs, okay. and they are simply egg-laying machines. Looks like we've got a caller on the line that has a firefly question, so why don't we welcome Jody from Clinton. Good morning, Jody. You're on the air, so go ahead, please. Hi. I have... Uh, two questions, I guess. Um, about, uh, last July, I was visiting with a friend, and they said, well, you never see lightning bugs in Clinton anymore. I think it has to do with the uh, insecticide they spray for mosquitoes. So I just held that thought, and it was, um, I guess it was the end of uh, June. I was up in Cades Cove, and it was just, the night was just, a, you know, lighted up by lightning bugs. Mm -hmm. And I would try to get a picture, and I thought, oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was leaving, at a, and I was at a visitor center right out, I mean, gone, too bad to go back. And I overheard a lady saying, oh, my mother told me I must see the synchronized lightning bugs that are here. She saw a documentary, <laughs> and they blink and, see, you know, uh, synchronize. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, I think they were doing that when I was trying to get a picture. Okay, question number one, does the that mosquito spray have anything to do? Why are we not seeing as many as we used to? I had a little nephew visiting from Arizona. He pulled into our driveway and he found lightning bugs. Mm -hmm. And he'd never seen one before, but he'd seen one on TV. <laughs> in Arizona. And I tried to help him catch them, and, and really, it was just, they really aren't as many. Then, um, but what about the synchronized ones? 
I'll close on that. Okay. Thank you, Jody. Um, yeah. you, you've asked a $1 million question about the mosquito spraying. Uh, there's not a lot of scientific research backing up that the spraying hurts the, the fireflies, but I personally feel completely different about it. I can't imagine it would help them. Um, uh, I do know Clinton does have a lot of fireflies because weren't we near there last night? Yes. Yes. And so part of it is you have to go to the right place at the right time of evening and the right time of year. They're very specific. They're like wildflowers in a way. So sometimes you can be standing 100 yards off to the side and miss an entire show. Um, So you do have them in Clinton. You just have to find where it's very dark and... um, and preferably where they don't spray, and the proper habitat. Jody, Clinton Nature Center had them last year. I haven't had a chance to check right now, but they had actually, they had the the synchronous ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you need to be out there about 9.30 at night, and you can talk to them at the Nature Center, and they'll they'll let you in. Mm -hmm. And uh, the synchronous ones will be low to the ground, just about two feet off the ground, almost like a little blanket when there are very many of them, and they fly and they blink together. And then at the same time, usually you will see a couple of other species that are up in the trees, and uh, Lynn will talk about it more, but there's one that's predatory that's probably going to be out there too because it wants... (laughs) to um, haunt the, the synchronous ones. But you, you can see them. And now the other place that I haven't checked yet, but I've had friends that have reported that they are seeing fireflies and synchronous fireflies um, along the trace, the Natchez trace. But part of it is the timing. There's, and we'll talk about that more today. And, and Jody, your second part of your question about Cades Cove, now you're in my stomping ground, so I love that question. Um, in the Smokies, we have a different species of synchronous firefly, different than um, what Libby's talking about here. Here, they're called the the common name would be the snappy sinks because they synchronize in a snappy one once a second flashing. In the Smokies is a different one, uh, and we call them the Smoky synchronous or Photonus carolinus, and they flash in a complicated flash train, a series of six flashes and six seconds of dark. And what you saw at Cades Cove, though, were probably the sunset um, big dippers, we call them. And uh, they are beautiful, and they put on quite a display in the open fields of Cades Cove. Is that where you saw yours? Yes. 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 Oh, just um, it was blanket. It, it's, uh, it's really beautiful. And But those are different than the ones that are at higher elevation. But as long as you're seeing something pretty that gives you joy, that's the whole point of all of it. And so I'm glad you made it to Cades Cove. That's oh, that's truly I've a special also place. I've been told that just the females blink, and I'll hang up on that. Uh, no, just it's primarily the males you see blinking. It's their love song to the females, hoping that the females will answer back. The females of most species are usually hidden in the leaf litter or the grass, and they give a very short nondescript answer back to a specific male. So what you were seeing were the males flying around lovesick, hoping to find <laughs> a woman in the grass somewhere. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Jody, thanks for your call. We need to take our first break of the hour. When we get back, we've already got some calls lined up. we got some Firefly questions ready to go. And that's who we're talking with this morning, author Lynn Faust and her book Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. Also, Dr. Major here ready to take some pet questions. So join the conversation because we've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more of the show after this. steps to your front door mpb news covers the state like no one else our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life mpb news online at mpbonline.org and on mpb think radio this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand
Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with author Lynn Faust. She, her new book is called Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. So we're talking about uh, those creatures this morning. If you have a question or maybe a story you'd like to share, give us a call. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to answer pet questions. So the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. Before we jump back on the phone lines, um, Lynn, there is another creature mentioned in your book, so tell us what is a glowworm. Well, a glowworm can... The one name serves many different creatures. Um, in the United States, pretty well, a glowworm is usually the larval form, kind of the baby firefly that crawls on the ground and glows periodically. If you're over in Europe, they call one of their fireflies. They don't have many over there, but they call them glowworms. And in the book, actually, there's a whole chapter where I show a picture of every single thing we call glowworms because there's also a really cool thing called a Fingotes railroad worm. It looks like a train at night. It's as big as my little finger. It's the female, and she's also called a glowworm as is a type of bioluminescent fungus gnat larvae, baby gnats, <laughs> and they glow in the Appalachians in certain places. But the main one is the baby fireflies. So is that confusing that so many different things are referred to by the same name? <laughs> it, it confuses a lot of people. Normally, once you really are talking about something, it's pretty clear which one you're talking about. But I do occasionally get phone calls and letters from Europe and at that point, we do have to kind of figure out what they're talking about. Were they visiting in the States, or are they seeing something in their garden in England? Okay. Let's go back to the phone lines. We begin again in Grand Bay. Robert has called in today. Good morning, Robert. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, I just have a basic comment, and I guess kind of a question, too. Um, kind of a problem that we're seeing more and more as time goes on is for light pollution. Yes. Where we have a whole generation of of kids that have never seen the Milky Way, and I'm wondering if this is kind of affecting firefly sightings, too, because of all the lights that everyone likes to have on all the time. Robert, that is a great question, and I'm glad you asked it, because light pollution is a huge threat to the mating systems of lightning bugs. The whole point is the male flashes. He wants to see the... He wants the girl to see his flash, then he has to see her flash. And there is so much light pollution these days that it really does interfere with um, the success of the fireflies. So I urge people, if at all possible, turn your lights out at night. Um, you know, if you're going to a party or going to be out late, uh, go ahead and leave the lights on. But if you're sitting inside, if you're in for the night, turn them out. And I, I personally have never believed security lights add security. I think it just blinds everybody with the glare. So I'm kind of a mad dog on all of that. But you're right. I'm kind of an amateur astronomer, but I love fireflies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I like, I had my street lamp turned off. Good for you. And that's hard to do. Uh, did they fight you on it? <laughs> and, I, you know, and I urge my neighbors to do the same thing, but you still can't see the Milky Way anywhere in Green Bay. And I remember when I was a child, I could see the Milky Way. Yes. And, know, and that's a loss. It it's a loss for all of us, and particularly the next generation. And I'm with you. I do find that most astronomers do like lightning bugs, and most lightning bug people like stars. <laughs> so I guess it's all kind of the same thing. But it is a, a real loss to everyone that we can't see the Milky Way at night anymore, most pla- or many places in the U.S., all right, Robert, thanks for your call. And so, Lynn, does that, is the light pollution possibly like maybe pushing uh, the fireflies deeper into the forest where they can get that darkness that they need? Well, that's a good question. Um, they're very habitat-specific. So a firefly that flies out in the open really doesn't want to move into the forest. What I found personally on our road and our area, which was formerly very rural, and we could see the Milky Way, and we cannot anymore is different populations simply disappear. They just, you just don't see them anymore. It's too much light. And um, so, and so yeah, that's a nice way of saying they die. Don't yeah, I mean, I get, it's yeah. just they can't yeah. find each other. They can't mate. They lay fewer eggs. And year after year of that, um, they kind of go away. I'd like to think they migrate, but they don't. They're so short-lived. They just live three to four weeks as adults. And um, they don't have time to find a new 
new place. So mm-hmm. light pollution is devastating. Um, yeah. So okay. just an awareness of that is helpful for people. We're talking today with Lynn Faust about her new book, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. So if you have a question for Lynn, uh, you can give us a call. Also, Dr. Major here ready to take some pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. And I just wanted to mention that Lynn will be at Lemuria Bookstore at okay. 5 o'clock tonight, and she's going to do a PowerPoint. So it's mm-hmm. not just a book signing. She's actually going to do a presentation. The important part, really, is that you're going to get to see the flashing, and she's got great videos, and it really helps you understand what to look for at night to see what she's going to show you tonight. Yeah, so come on yeah. out. You'll get to see who I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's go to Madison for our next caller. Richard has on the line. Good morning, Richard. Go ahead. Hello, Libby, Lynn, and Doctor. Hey. Hey, Richard. Madison. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, our we our, our fireflies seem to be out this way a little bit later in their hatch than they are over in Clinton. Uh, we're beginning to see a pretty good show out here, and... We're backed up to the trace and then a piece of woods between us and the trace. So it's pretty deep woods and, uh, you know, not, not just the, the woods is not disturbed. Let's put it like that. And the light is, uh, not a lot of light out here. So, uh, it's, it really makes for a good show when they, when they are fully hatched out and the, the woods just gets full of them. Uh, they, they are kind of, later this year i think uh, as far as coming out more like nine thirty to 10 mm-hmm. o'clock you're you're very observant richard and it sounds like you live in a terrific place for fireflies and yeah. i will say i've only been in mississippi the last three nights i was at waldoxy state park the first two uh-huh. and uh, oxford and then now i'm down in clinton and you are also correct in that they emerge as you you know, in the south, they'll emerge before you go further north. And so a species that's very abundant here right now, the uh, snappy sinks, are just now coming out up at Waldoxy. And so you are right, they are just now coming out. And each species is time-specific. And so you've nailed it on the head. The snappy sinks are very active uh, starting about 9 or 9.15. They're a later night thing. Um, I will say in the three, four days I've been here, I've now seen over eight species of lightning bugs are active. Now, very few of them are quite as showy as what I think you have in your backwoods. But um, we're approaching probably the time of year where Mississippi has the most active species at one time. You want to describe what you see, Richard, when they really get going? Oh, when they get, when they really get going, the the woods is full of them and we're kind of up high and so you can look down through the woods and just see them uh, all through there and once they start blinking they all synchronize with each other mm-hmm. and it looks like christmas tree lights down through there oh uh, that's you know when they're fully fired up and going uh they're they're strange how they do they'll uh i noticed last night they'll blink and blink and all sync together then all of a sudden they'll quit and they'll wait a little bit and then they'll fire up again uh, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a question about what they eat. Uh, what do fireflies live on? Because oh. I know some of them are cannibalistic. Some of them are, uh, I think, go after uh, nectar and that kind of thing. So, And we have magnolia trees and flowers all around the house. So I was I just wondering about that. Another great question. Uh, I will say all of this is covered in detail in the book. I'm not trying to push it, but you're asking questions I hoped somebody would ask today. Generally speaking, the adult fireflies do not eat. Um, When they're in the larval stage or that little glowworm stage, they're voracious predators of insects and organisms in the soil. But once they have their short adult lifespan of two to four weeks, they generally do not eat. All they want to do is mate find a mate, lay eggs, and assure the next generation. Now, the exceptions, which you've just mentioned, the um, there is one uh, genus of fireflies, the Faturus, are predatory on all the other fireflies. The females are. And so they're out there eating everyone. And so they do eat as adults to get defensive chemicals to pass to their eggs. And we also have documented uh, lightning bugs, 
16 species thus far do appear to nectar on milkweed, which you know is filled with important toxins that the monarchs use. So there's ongoing research on that now. But generally, they don't eat as adults. So we kill larvae also when you treat your yards to kill all the things in the soil. That will kill firefly larvae. So you will see a, a decrease in the adults. Now, one more question about the glowworm. Uh, mm-hmm. We were in New Zealand a few years ago, and they uh, rode around Rotorua, and they took us on a little tour down through some bushes, and all of us got down there, and they cut the lights off and hear these glow, mm. what they call a glowworm, were up in the side of a bank. That's one of the, the when I talked about the bioluminescent fungus gnat larvae, uh, we have them okay. here, and they really have them in New Zealand. They're almost an ecotourism uh, thing. They're so fun to see. Those are not lightning bugs. They are actually in the fly family. They are fungus gnats. They're the little things that fly around your eyes at night and drive you nuts. <laughs> but it's their version of it. And those are beautiful, and you are correct. They call them glowworms, too, which is part of the confusion. But they're pretty. All and right. they, they give blue lights, which is mm-hmm. unusual. Richard, thanks for your call. Good call. They are glad that you called in to join our conversation this morning. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, Jesse's on the line from Mobile, and we'll continue our discussion about fireflies, glowworms, and lightning bugs with our guest, Lynn Faust. Also, Dr. Major's here, ready to take a pet question or two. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. In the morning, my MPB Public Media app is always ready to give me the morning snooze. It's 6 o'clock. This is MPB Think Radio. And all throughout the day, checking up on my favorite MPB programs is just a click. with Jeremy Hobson, it's here and now. Swipe. We're looking for anybody who enjoys eating. Well, scroll away. I'm Walt Grayson. Welcome to Mississippi Road. My MPB Public Media app is always ready to keep me informed and entertained the way I want, when I want. Download the app now on your favorite device. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Lynn Faust, and she's telling us about her new book, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. So we're learning more about fireflies today. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So we'll get to Jesse in just a moment, but uh, we got an email uh, with a picture in there, and it it, it stirred up quite a bit of an excitement here in the studio. So, uh, Lynn, tell us what uh, what the photograph in the email is. Okay. Well, Tom the Salamander Man sent in a picture holding something in his hand. And a few minutes ago, I mentioned railroad worms, Mm -hmm. and they are, the scientific name is Fingotes. And I really feel that everyone, at least once in their life, needs to see either a larval or a female railroad worm because they are beautiful. And Tom is holding a gorgeous larvae in his hand. It's got orange and black dots on it, and it glows like a a train at night when you look at it with, um, yeah, it's the size of almost a little finger Mm -hmm. of a a woman and each segment glows and then it has dots on it and they are specialists the larvae are specialists on eating millipedes that they actually kind of look alike Mm -hmm. and there's probably a reason for that but um, i'm so glad tom found one and i hope everybody else sees one if you do see one and again it will have all these glowing lines and dots on it um, try not to disturb it. The females particularly live in a burrow, we think, 
and they can't move far. And if you pick them up and then put them back somewhere else, it might be the death of that female. But to look at them, and they're fun, you can even photograph them with your cell phone. They're that bright. And um, and the, the male of these railroad worms looks like a beetle with huge feathery antenna. It looks nothing like what Tom is holding in his hand, which is kind of a, gl- a large, glowing, spotted mm-hmm. worm thing. Okay. Um, and he found that good. on the Natchez Trace. Okay. Yeah. yeah, good job, Tom. Um, we mentioned earlier you've got over 600 photographs uh, in your book, and I'm wondering maybe just a little bit about the – it sounds like it would be a challenge to try to get good pictures of something that's there in the dark. Talk about that for a little bit. Um, that is quite a challenge, and I'm no professional photographer. Uh, luckily, out of the – there's actually closer to 700 photos, and 10% were graciously shared with me by people who are real photographers. <laughs> and some of the most beautiful pictures in the book are those – I mainly focused on macro close-ups showing the various features of each species of lightning bug. And it represents, um, I did pretty well use all digital, so dating back to 2005 when I got my first digital camera. Um, And it is hard. Luckily, I found a pocket Sony camera that focuses to within a half an inch of things. And that made a real difference. I'm not sure I could have done the book without it. Um, but but I think once people start really knowing their fireflies, then the real photographers will get in there and take even more beautiful pictures. Uh, there, um, I'm very appreciative. There's uh, Jeff Davis up in northern Mississippi right now who has made some fabulous photos of Mississippi fireflies, and I think you'll be seeing more from him. Okay. And so fireflies, lightning bugs, we said pretty much the same thing. Is it kind of regional that they're they're called the different things in different parts of the country? Yes. Uh, most of my talks, I begin with having people raise their hand if they call them lightning bugs or fireflies. And personally, I'm a Tennessee born and bred, and I never used the word firefly till I was 38 years old. Hmm. I'd never even heard of it. It was a lightning bug where I came from. Um, it does seem regional. Generally, the more north you are or out west, it's firefly, and the south is lightning bug. There are a few exceptions. But now, because they've kind of become a sexy sort of well-known insect, um, more and more people are calling them fireflies. And I do in my talks, and I really shouldn't. I should keep saying lightning bug because I'm even hearing young children in Tennessee now call them fireflies. But the reality is it's one less syllable. So when I'm giving a talk and I say the word <laughs> 400 times, fireflies just easier to say. But they are the same thing in North America. Fireflies and lightning bugs are the same thing. It's just regional, whatever you want to call them. We've got some open phone lines if you'd like to join in today and talk to our guest, Lynn Faust, or if you have a question for Dr. Major about your pet. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. And if you've been, uh, have a firefly sighting uh, recently that you'd like to tell us about, uh, we'd certainly appreciate a phone call on that regard as well. So, uh, do we know what makes the light? How do they uh, get that light to light up? Well, it's that's part of the magic, and this will bring flashbacks <laughs> of high school chemistry to everyone. <laughs> um, but generally, there are two chemicals within the fireflies luciferous and luciferous. They mix with oxygen, ATP, and magnesium, and it causes the flash. And that's probably all we need to do. But it's an internal thing. They're born doing it. The larvae glow, the pupae glow, and the adults either flash or have lost their lanterns through the eons. And uh, so not all the adults flash, but all of the larvae glow. So they all have those chemicals, which actually they're... Realizing genetically are two different ones, depending if you're a larvae or adult. But that's too much information. But it's a chemical reaction inside the lightning bug. And don't the eggs even? Oh, yeah, the glow. eggs glow. Um, but it's, it's not like you're going to walk through the forest and see all these glowing eggs on the ground. It's usually you have to have very well adapt, dark adapted eyes in a totally dark place and stare at them. And I haven't personally seen glowing eggs since I was 38 when my eyes started falling apart. Um, so, but with time-lapse photography, you can, you can see it. So it's sort of an artificial thing. But, yes, they glow very dimly. But it's hard for us to see unless you're very young. Um, so they're so active uh, at night. What, uh, what happens during the daytime? 
Well, it's a great question. Um, last night we were in an area that had literally thousands and thousands of the snappy sinks, and we were discussing this morning at breakfast we could walk out now in those same woods and probably not see a single one. So it's it's a mystery. Each species has a different strategy for the daytime on how to survive to the next night. Um, a lot of them fly up into the treetops, some of the forest species, or they hide down in the leaf litter. Um, but they disappear in the day. Once in a while you'll find one, but generally they're pretty good at hiding during the day because they, they want to live to the next night and find that mate. So we talked about uh, that some of them eat each other, but w- what, uh, what finds fireflies uh, good to eat, or, or I, are they good to eat for other creatures? Well, uh, not for other creatures, <laughs> and uh, particularly not people. Don't do it. They, they actually have a theory, Dr. Tom Eisner, um, who was one of the fathers of chemical ecology with lightning bugs up at Cornell, suspected that less than 10 fireflies eating could kill a grown man. Wow. And so they are filled with toxic chemicals called cardenolides. So if any of you have heart failure, you're probably taking a chemical similar Mm -hmm. to what the lightning bugs have um, to stimulate your heart. But you eat too many of them, and it will stimulate it too much. So it's uh, pretty potent chemicals, but that's the protection. So every bird and bigger bug and frog out there won't eat all the lightning bugs because they're perfect size. They might eat one, but that's probably the that's, last one. Yeah, usually they spit them out and start gagging and all. But so. the, the predatory ones, they're adapted uh, to be able to eat The it, predatory right? ones have evolved a genetic switch that switches off their body's reaction to that toxin so they've figured out a way around it and and some spiders have there are some animals that have um and they then eat the toxic filled lightning bug and put those chemicals it's the females that are the predators and they then transfer those chemicals to their eggs so that things won't eat their eggs so it's a real exquisite dance of eat or be eaten got some more calls to get to let's start again in memphis uh, Geza is on the line. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. My name is Geza, and I came from Hungary. And in Hungary, we called uh, this lightning bug or, or uh, firefly, we called this uh, Janusz Bogarko. Mm-hmm. In St. John, St. John Beetle. Yes. And we even have a popular... Uh, music or s- song about Janos Bogarko de Chilog Vilog la 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 Oh, you're a good so singer. That, that's good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we used to go out in the in the garden in the night. Uh, we don't have so high light, so we can see in the yard, and we try to catch them with, with two hand and don't hurt them. And we bring it into the house, and we let it out, and we have <laughs> in the room, <laughs> flying the poor guy, try to get out in the window, <laughs> and, and this is began to, to flashing, flashing. Hmm. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing, when I was going with a Bluff City Canoe Club on the trip in in Arkansas and Missouri. We were stopped by the one night, and uh, in the night I saw on the, the creek bed, on the on the dry drier side, uh, on the creek bed, there was something glowing, mm. and I was not knowing what is glowing. I wondered that was a, a glow worm, or that was a, a this uh, fungus. Fungus, man. I don't know. Well, um. Gaza, you have great memories from Hungary, and the actual name of what you call them, and I can't pronounce it as well as you did, but it actually means the Knights of St. John, and that's covered in the book. I actually mentioned that. The Knights of St. John happen around June 21st, 23rd, and um, it's the summer solstice. And in Europe, that is usually the nights of the most abundance of your glowworms. And uh, so it's a very well-named name in Hungary for your beetles. And there's often bonfires and celebrations to celebrate just that midsummer. Um, and so I love that. I love that. I liked hearing how you said it because I've always said it in my head. Can you <laughs> say it one more time, what you call them in Hungary? 
Vicente Janos Bugar. There you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> and what you saw in Arkansas, I really don't know. I think you've made the two best guesses. You either saw the larvae, which often hang around creek, creek banks because they like moisture, or you could have seen the uh, glowing fungus gnat babies. Um, I- I'm not sure. So you have a good guess if you shone a light on it and saw it. If it looked like a flattened roly-poly bug, that would be a firefly larvae. Um, if you shine your light and couldn't see anything, that would be the almost microscopic fungus gnat babies. All right. That glow. Geza, thanks for the call. Good to hear. That's an interesting uh, perspective on that. And, and as you mentioned, uh, the European fire uh, fireflies, and so good to get a report on that. Let's get one call in before our next break, and it goes to Jim in Jackson. Good morning, Jim. You're on the air. Could you please tell me how I could encourage more fireflies uh, in our house? Is there something we can plant or other steps we could take to encourage them? Okay. Um, Good question, Jim. And everybody kind of wants to know this. Uh, One main thing is keep it as dark as possible. And if you have a wetland or some water, that always seems to attract um, almost all things, frogs, fireflies, everything. Mow as seldom as your neighbors will let you mow, Um, and that really depends on where you live. Uh, We can get away with it. We live out in the country, and we don't mow very often because that does seem to affect them since they develop in the soil, and it's only the final two to three weeks of a one- to two-year lifespan that they're in the air. Um, And so all of those things, but the, the darkness and no pesticide use, if possible, and even herbicides, and as many native plants as possible. So all of those things help, and if you're in a small subdivision where you really can't do much about it, just enjoy your local parks and the areas that are dark. Um, They're real treasures. I've had a question before about raking leaves. Mm. Is it good to leave the leaves alone? I don't have scientific proof, but yes. I would. The leaf litter is very important. In the larval stage, they have to stay moist. The quickest way to kill a firefly larvae is let it dry out or bring it inside with air conditioning. And so the moisture of the leaf litter is very important. So that would be a good excuse to not only not mow your grass, but don't rake your leaves. And then you'll really get thrown out of your neighborhood. <laughs> We need to take one final break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with our guest today, Lynn Faust, who is the author of Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions, so give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back to wrap up Creature Comforts after this last break. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as I You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Lynn Faust, who has a new book out called Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. Uh, let's head back to the phone lines, see if we can get some more calls in before the end of the show. Beginning again in Oxford, Mary is on the line. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. I just heard... Uh 
a little song in Hungarian that I'm good as a child. I only remember the first line, though. Glow, little glow, burn, glimmer, glimmer. And that's all I remember. <laughs> I'm enjoying your show. Well, you, you have a very nice voice, and that is one of the most famous glowworm songs, and it, it came from Germany originally. So oh, right. you can Google it and get all the words. There's actually a ton oh, of verses. That yes. Good, Thank you, Mary. I remember the first line. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for calling, Mary. And, and I want to throw in the gentleman from Hungary that called. Uh, I would love if he wants to email the the studio the words both in Hungarian and the translation to the song he sang so beautifully. All right. Thank and you. So if you're still listening, do that, please. Yeah, and the email address is animals at mpbonline.org. Got another call to get to, so let's go next to Sosher. Susan has called in today. Good morning, Susan. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you? Good. What do you have for us? Well, I was just going to say two things. We were talking about sighting of fireflies, and my husband and I own 45 acres in, in social Mississippi, and we had a lot of fireflies years ago. And then all of a sudden we noticed them disappearing, and we didn't have them. And one night when I heard the county spray machine come by mm. that was spraying when we had the West mm. Nile virus, it dawned on me, oh, mm. my gosh, maybe it's the... Uh, insecticide that they're spraying to kill the mosquitoes. Maybe they're taken care of by fireflies as well. Mm. So we asked them just not to spray our little area, in, not by our, our home, just pass us up and not spray. And it took a couple of years, but then we started seeing them again, and now we have them in abundance again. Oh. We haven't sprayed but- in a while. So those things do kill the West Nile mosquitoes and a lot of other mosquitoes, but they kill fireflies as well. That is, and good for you for, for asking. You know, it is a real public health dilemma, though, because no one wants to get West Nile or Zika or malaria. And um, and I don't know the answer, but that's really interesting what you notice, the decline well, and, and then the resurgence once the spring. In the, re- in the research to take care of my mosquitoes, I went ahead and put in a very small, shallow pond um, that you know that we we dug for mm-hmm. to encourage dragonflies because Good. dragonflies are out in the day and they take care of your mosquito population as well as we hung a few bat boxes out and around and yeah. that it just took care of our mosquitoes without having to use the um, insecticide so we're trying to balance our life around nature. Good, right. Good for you, Susan. You have great ideas, and I hope other people are listening and will copy you. Thank right. you. Thanks for the call, Susan. Let's uh, go next. We've got uh, Judy in Columbus. Good morning, Judy. You're on the air, so go ahead, please. I was just wanting to ask the lady if she knows uh, about Dismal's Canyon in Hackleburg, Alabama, that have an insect that grows in the moss that grows on the cliffs in Dismal's Canyon. Yes, Judy, thank you. And it's pretty famous, and everybody ought to drive up there to see them. Those are the fungus gnat baby larvae. And um, and they're quite famous on the numbers they have in the Dismals Canyon. And so those aren't lightning bugs, although I'm sure there are many lightning bugs in that same area. But those that is a great place to go see the uh, fungus gnat babies that glow. So thank you, Judy. All right, Judy, we appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, visiting today with Lynn Faust, the author of Firefly, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs. Uh, so, Lynn, is it, do they all flash the same color? Um, no, each genus or sort of larger group of fireflies do tend to have a specific color of light that they flash, ranging from yellow to green-yellow to green um, and orange, actually, at the other end of the spectrum. But that being said, the color that we see with our human eyes really, really matters on how old the age of the eyes are of the viewer (laughs) and if they wear glasses or not and how far away the flash is. To me, at age 62, I'm thrilled to just see a light flashing. (laughs) Um, But you put a 12-year-old, 8- to 12-year-old kid out there and they can see colors much better than most adults. So I always turn to a child if there's one there and go, what color do you see? <laughs> and um, But it is by measuring it, we actually have these little weird little probes and things, and you can measure the wavelength, and it is uh, species-specific, actually, and then the genus. So it's a general thing, but not totally accurate. Does the color show up true in the pictures that you've been It, it shows that- up pretty true. Um and you have to be aware it might not, but the cameras have improved so much. Even 10 years ago, you couldn't trust it at all. But now, 
it shows up and then in a photograph you can enhance whatever color it is so that the person looking at the picture can see okay. a little better the color. So, All right, yeah. so your book has a flash pattern chart in it. Tell us what that's about. Well, the flash pattern chart uh, is <clears throat> fold out in the front, and at a glance you can just sort of look at it and start narrowing down what you might be seeing. What I want all the viewers to realize is the importance of um, looking at an individual lightning bug and trying to see does it have a regular pattern of flashing that's happening. And that will help identify. The chart is there in along with the book. So you can't just look at the chart and go, oh, I know what I have. Um, usually you then need to read in the book about the different species, the habitat, the time of year, and all of that. And um, so, yes, the chart is helpful, and people do seem to really like the chart, and that will be the male firefly courtship flash. Sometimes they do flash other little flashes. And, um, again, come to Lemuria tonight at 5 and uh, see the slideshow. I'd love to meet you. And um, and you'll learn more about the flashing and everything else, more than you'd ever want to know about lightning bugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I think this is one of the things that a lot of people, uh, you know, for, even from some of the calls we got, can maybe remember uh, the, as a child seeing these. And, you know, we heard this, the Hungarian song and then the other song. So this is certainly something that I think people are interested in. And, again, it's it's kind of mysterious, mm-hmm. so, you know, why they do it and how they do it and that sort of thing. So uh, tonight, or I'm sorry, what again, to tell us again when you're at Lemuria? Um, five o'clock at Lemuria tonight Tonight, for a book signing and a firefly presentation all right very good that's going to wrap us up for today creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by wildlife mississippi a statewide organization celebrating 20 years of conserving mississippi's lands waters and wildlife and contributions for listeners like you if you need to hear today's show or previous show one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and working the phones this morning was Sharita Brent. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Lynn Faust, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. That's followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.